And I saw a great white throne. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. We have heard this morning a good, striking message of our life and the question where are we headed? What's eternity for us? Sometime, all of us are going to be in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Sometime we will all stand there. Before the man seated on the throne, heaven and earth, all of your friends, all of your plans, all of your past, everything, every connection you've had with anybody anywhere, gone. Only you and the man on the throne. That's it. Heaven and earth are gone. Everything else disappears. It's just you and him. And I think we've had already a good meditation on that this morning as we listened to our brother. Nothing else really matters. Nothing else really counts. When we stand before the man on the throne alone, and he's got the books, and there's nothing we can do except revere and awe him and give our actually receive our sentence, shall we say. In a sense, it's not not to receive a sentence because we have the privilege of knowing Jesus. But nevertheless, that situation with me before him alone, no, no, nobody else to grab a hold of or blame or point fingers at, or it's all gone. It's just me. He and I. We're the only ones there on that, in that picture. <clears throat> Let's pray this word of prayer. Our Father, again this morning, we uh, call upon you and ask for your guidance in our meditation this morning. You'll continue to be with us. Thank you for the words that have been spoken already and ask that you help them to uh, continue to burn on in our lives, in our hearts, in our souls, and help us too as we look into your word further. It might be also and inspiration to us in our lives to um, continue to look to you and to receive from you uh, your blessing and direction for us. Turn ourselves into your hand this morning again as we look into your word. Guide our words, help them to be what you'd have them to be, and touch our hearts. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to look this morning a little bit at uh, a story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. Uh, Genesis chapter 24. A picture of, I guess we might say, what the Bible's about. This chapter is the longest chapter in Genesis. The next closest, I think, is when the next closest chapter to this length says, Go to Joseph and what he says, do. That's the next one. But this is the longest one. 
this, this chapter is a picture of what the Bible's about. <clears throat> this chapter is a picture of Jesus looking for a people, the church looking for a bride. In this case, it's Isaac and Rebecca, Abraham and the servant. That's what the story is about. We'd like to look at those a little bit this morning. But this, this picture that we're going to talk about this morning is a picture of Jesus looking for his bride and a picture of each one of us in our responsibility as we, as we think of this story, this beautiful picture here of um, Isaac receiving his wife, the servant going and looking for a wife for Isaac. So we'd like to think about that this morning. <clears throat> and let's start with verse 1. Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. Abraham was old, well stricken in age. The Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto the eldest servant of his house, that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go to my kindred, country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. Is this thing on this morning? Not yet. Don't see it. Uh, we have these characters that the Bible has for us here. Four, especially in this account right here. We have Abraham. We have Isaac. And we have the servant. And we have Rebecca. These four people. And we'd like to think about them this morning as we um, go through the chapter. Keep our attention maybe somewhat with the, with the story here that we can, we can find understand these pictures. I've already told you the, picture, this, the chapter that we like to look at this morning is a picture of Jesus looking for his church. All right, in this case, we have the picture here. Isaac is the husband. Isaac is the one who wants a wife. Isaac is a picture of Jesus. Isaac is the one who needs a wife. Well, okay, obviously, then the wife, Rebecca, is a picture of the church. <clears throat> Abraham being a picture of God, uh, very seldom do you have types in the Bible that picture God, but Abraham seems to be one that, that is a type of God. This morning we're going to look at the servant as you and me. Now there's other interpretations of it, but for this morning we're going to look at that at least partially as you, each one of us, in our responsibility, and me, in my responsibility, our responsibility as we Go out looking for and trying to find someone who's going to be a wife for Isaac. In other words, looking for people who will be part of the church. And that's, that's the picture that we have here. <clears throat> now, back up in verse 1. Um, verse 2, actually. Abraham said to the eldest servant of his house. Now, notice in this chapter, there is no name given. I've asked people sometimes, who was the servant? It doesn't say. It doesn't say who it was. The servant had a very important job, and you have a very important job. But the name is not given. When you go out to witness for Jesus, if you do something that God wants you to do, if you're working in the church and you're helping people to become Christians, or whatever your job is, maybe you're just sweeping the floor, whatever it is, you don't have to have your name attached. People don't have to know who that, who that person was, who, who helped this person, who, who helped him. We don't have to have our name attached. Our responsibility is to accomplish the task God gives us, not necessarily getting any attention or having our name attached to it. So we don't know the name of the servant here this morning, but notice that he ruled over all that he had. 
I, I believe that the servant probably came to Abraham every morning and said, Abraham, what are we going to do today? Um, have some heifers over here. Maybe we should sell these. And uh, over here, somebody over here has some sheep they'd like to sell. Maybe we'll buy some of those and trade some around here. What should we do? Or maybe there's something out here that's sick. Uh, how should we treat him and so on? And Abraham told the servant what to do. Do this over here. Sell this over here. Treat this one over here. Whatever. There was communication there. They got their directions and the servant went and did it. Okay, that's you with God. Every morning, check in. Check in every morning. Our brother already mentioned that. Check in with God every morning. Keep that connection there. What do you want for me today? What is your plan for me today? I want to be open for whatever you have. And this servant was there every morning finding out what the directions were. Now here he's got a special request. This day, the request is different. And the request now is, I'm going to send you back over to my people and I want you to find a wife for my son. It's time for my wife, to, my son to have a wife. And you go back over there and, and find a wife for my son back over there. <clears throat> Servant thinks a little bit and says, what about this now? Just suppose, um, verse 5, the servant said to him, peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me. Must I need to bring thy son back? Wouldn't it be better if I just took Isaac with me in the first place? Just let me take Isaac along. And then, then the girls will see him and say, oh, okay, good, yeah. You know, that would be much easier if I have Isaac along with me. Abraham said, nope. My son is not going back. Jesus is not coming back to knock on doors and say, how about you? Would you be a follower? How about you? No. He's not coming back. He's sending you. He's sending me. It's our job to go and knock on doors and say, will you come? Will you be part of God's kingdom? That's our job. We're doing that. Isaac isn't coming again. <coughs> He's coming again at the end of the chapter. But not now. <clears throat> not now. We don't see him now. Abraham said, beware that you don't take my son back there again. And He's not going back there again. You go. You find a wife for my son. The God of heaven, whom I serve, he will direct your way. He's going to help you. But... If she doesn't want to come, please leave her there. We don't want somebody that doesn't want to be here. Same thing, obviously, is for the church. I hope everyone who is here is here voluntarily. I hope you're here because you want to be here. Because this is the place you want to be. Because you want to be a part of God's family. Because you want to be a child of his. Not because somebody forced you into it or made you do it or that you have to do this. But because you want to. That's the only people who are going to make it to heaven. There are nobody, there's no one in heaven except volunteers. I guess you know that. Nobody gets to heaven except volunteers. Nobody gets forced into heaven. Only volunteers. People who are willingly, ready, say yes. Those are the people who make it to heaven. <clears throat> All right, let's go a little further now. In verse 9, the servant put his hand to the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. So he, they made the agreement. Verse 10, the servant took ten camels, of, ten camels of the camels of his master and departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hand. Notice that phrase. All the goods of his master were in his hand. God supplies your need. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. And lo, I am with you. Okay. All the goods of his master were in his hand. It was all there. And God gives you all the power to go and to be a witness for him. And that's what he wants us to do and call people in. 
Verse 11, he made this, I don't have the miles written down here. Maybe someone else knows. I'm going to guess it's maybe two or three week journey. I'm guessing it was. It was quite a ways over there. <clears throat> anyway, verse 11, he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that the women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master, Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Now, most of us have enough trouble trying to find a wife for ourselves. And we don't worry about trying to find a wife for somebody else, but some of us are involved in that, trying to find a wife for somebody else. We try to do that sometimes. Here's a young man who's trying to find a wife for somebody else. Um, and he doesn't know. He doesn't know the people. Uh, probably doesn't even know the place. How am I going to know who is the right one? And I suppose we're probably all involved in that question sometimes. How do I know? So he prays. And he says, in, he says, show goodness to my master Abraham. I'm actually here on his business. Behold, I stand here, verse 13, by the well of water. And the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. Let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. The test was, is she willing? Is she willing? That was a good test. Is she willing? Um, Philemon, Paul tells Philemon when he sends Onesimus back to him in verse 21, he tells Philemon, first of all, he asks him to receive Onesimus back and forgive him and so on. And then he says these words to Philemon, knowing that thou also wilt do more than I ask. Is that you? Are you a young person, an older person, whoever it is, who's willing to do more than you have to? Willing to do more than you ask. Here's one who is willing to do more than was asked. The man didn't ask for water for his camels. He just told God, if she offers water to me and to my camels, let her be the one. He didn't tell her that this was a test. Not knowing, not, she, was not, she did not know this. Isaiah 1 verse 18 says, If ye be willing and obedient, willing and obedient, ye shall eat the fruit of the land. I think it's something like that. There's a, we need to be willing, we need to be given up, willing to do what God asks us to do, not just part way, not just a little bit, not just uh, sometimes, but completely. Verse 19, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. <clears throat> God wants us to be those who are willing people who have yielded ourselves to him. Verse 15 says, before he came out, it came to pass before he had done speaking, that behold, Rebekah came out who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. The damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin. Neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well, came up, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted, let down her pitcher upon her hand, and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also, until they have done drinking. And she hasted emptied her pitcher into the trough, and ran again into the well to draw water for all his camels. And the man is standing there was wondering about this. Here's, here's this nice pretty girl comes out, goes down the well. 
I guess the well, I'm going to guess, is, a, is probably a big hole in the ground with steps going down to it. That's probably the way the wells were. So she had to run down to the well and get water in her pitcher, put it on her shoulder, and bring it back up. Now, camels can drink a lot of water, I understand. Someone said they can drink 40 gallons. I don't know how, long, how thirsty these camels were or how long they had been without water. But you start drawing 40 gallons of water for a bunch of camels, it's going to take a while. But she's going to do it, and she did it. It says she, she ran down the well and she came back up. Notice, in the, as you read through here, notice the words hasted, ran, hasted, and ran. It says here in um, verse 17, and the servant ran to meet the girl. And she, verse 18, she hasted, let down her pitcher. And verse 20, and she hasted and emptied her pitcher and ran again into the well. And then a little later down in verse 28, the damsel ran back to uh, tell her parents or those of her father's household. There seemed to be a real kind of a, an urgency about the, the, the whole thing. She, it seems to be that people are in a hurry and they want to get things done. Verse 22, came to pass as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring, half a shekel weight, and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold. Now we're talking money here. Um, I don't know the price of gold because I don't deal in gold, but I think it's somewhere around $2,000 an ounce. Who, who deals in gold here? Who knows? Is it $2,000 an ounce? I don't know what it is. <clears throat> a shekel is a half an ounce. So he's got these earrings at half ounce each, $500, no, $1,000 on each ear. And on her hand, she's got some bracelets of about $10,000 each. And he put, okay. What happens then? She runs back home, verse 29. And Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out unto the man under the well. Now you have to read verse 30 first. It came to pass when he saw the earring and bracelets upon his sister's hands. And when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, Thus spake a man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels of the well. Laban, after he saw the gold, said, Where did you get that? Laban was a businessman. Laban knew what gold was worth. Laban could see something, some, somebody someplace has got some money here. I mean, you don't just go around giving $5,000 gifts to somebody, anybody you meet on the road. Uh, somebody's got some gold. Somebody, some. What's the gold? Revelation 21 says, let me just read it. Where the gold comes from, I'm sure we're familiar with this, but I'm going to read it anyway. It says in Revelation 21, the building of the wall of it was jasper, and the city was pure gold, likened to clear glass. It says, and it repeats it again in verse 21. The twelve gates were of twelve pearls, every several gate of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. What attracted Laban? The gold. The question, of course, to you and I is, how much gold is evident in you? How much of heaven can people see? Does heaven shine forth? When you meet people on the street, does heaven shine forth? Can people see heaven hanging on you or shining on you? Or can they see heaven coming through you? That's what Laban saw. Laban saw the gold. Laban saw the heaven, we might say. Somebody someplace, there's somebody rich someplace back here. Somebody's got something. And Laban ran out there. He was interested in this. He went out and he got the man. He, come in, come in, come in, come in, he said. 
And we've got room for you, got room for the camels, got room for you, and a place for you to sleep. Come in, come in. And so um, the man went in. Verse 33, And there was set meat before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And he said, Speak on. I think one of the brothers in the class on communication mentioned, if you want to go and talk to people, don't start with a survey and say, um, do you like chicken nuggets? Do you like them fried? Or do you like them with ketchup? And the last question is, would you like to become a Christian? Don't do that. Don't start off with something else and end up with, you know, try to put something else, put Jesus at the end. No, that's not what they did here. This man, I'm, I'm not going to eat. I'm here on business. There's a reason I'm here. I'm here for a purpose. I've been sent here, and I'm going to tell my business first before I eat. Eating is important, but not as important as my business. Our business that we have for the king is more important than other things. More important than eating, more important than having a good time, more important than everything else is to get our business done. Our business is finding people for the kingdom. That's what God wants us to do. Let's keep that up there first. And notice what he says in verse 34. Again, no name. He said, I am Abraham's servant. And the Lord has blessed my master greatly. He has become great. He has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and asses and I don't know what not all. My, my, man is, my master is very great. I think the servant wanted to be sure they got the message that my master is a rich man. I serve a man. I, we serve a God who has everything. We serve a God who knows everything. We serve a God who has all the answers. There's nothing too hard for him. Our God is great. He's got enough answers for everybody. And that's what Abraham's servant was telling him here. My master is a great man. And he's got one son. He has one son. Verse 36. Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when he was old. And unto him has he given all that he has. Not only is my master great, my master has a son who inherits all this greatness, and he's looking, I'm looking, for someone to help share this greatness. I'm here. I'm looking for someone to share in his greatness. That's what I'm here for. Looking for a wife. I came over here, and then he tells the story of how he met Rebecca at the well and so on, and how that all happened. And then jumping over to verse 50, then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, the thing proceeded from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. The answer. The answer was, okay. This is from God. We see this as God is calling Rebekah to go to be a wife for Isaac. <clears throat> Verse 53, the servant brought forth jewels of silver, jewels of gold, raiment, gave into Rebekah, and so on. He gave to her brother and her mother precious things. Other people profit from your relation with Christ. Now, we're going to kind of switch here a little bit. Um, now we're going to kind of become Rebekah, and uh, the, the servant becomes the Holy Spirit. But the picture is still the same. When you become a Christian, or when someone becomes a Christian... Other people in the family also receive some blessings. Other people are blessed as well when you or someone else becomes a Christian, gives themselves to God. There's blessings for other people too. They ate and drank that night. Verse um, 54. And they did eat and drink, he and the men that were with him, and tarried all night. 
in, and they rose up in the morning, and he said, Send me away unto my master. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days. At the least ten. After that she shall go. Well, you can kind of understand how they felt. This man comes in one evening, eats supper with him, and makes a deal. He says, Tomorrow morning, let's go. Where's Rebecca? Get your clothes. We're going. And her mother and her brother say, oh, hold on. Hold on. Uh, give us 10 days to solve, you know, to kind of absorb this a little bit. This is the last time we're going to see Rebecca. She's leaving. We want to have a, uh, I don't know what to call it, a pity party or whatever you want to call it. But we want to have a little bit of time together first before we give us 10 days. And the servant said, hinder me not. Hinder me not. I don't want to get involved in your parties over here. I didn't come to have a party. I came to find a wife for Isaac. I found her, and I want to go back home. Oh, please. Well, call Rebecca. See what she says. Think a little about Rebecca. Rebecca, over here on one hand, is the man ready to go. Over here on the other hand is her mother and her brother, probably her father, all around here, and her friends, and all she's used to. <clears throat> and she's being asked now, Rebecca, man wants to go this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready to give up everything you've known? Are you ready to give up your friends? The pattern of life you've had. Are you ready to just give up everything and follow this man who says... There's somebody waiting for you. He claims there's a man back there. Now, we haven't seen the man. We don't know where he is or who he is. But he claims that there's somebody back there. And he's brought these presents and this gold. And we think he's probably telling you the truth. So it's probably true. But you haven't seen him. Are you willing, on the basis of what this man tells you, to leave everything that you've grown up with and follow this man to a place you've never been to, to be married to a man you've never seen? That's quite a question. So they said, well, let's call her and see what she says. Verse 58. And they called Rebecca and said to her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. I will go. The only acceptable response to be part of the bride of Jesus Christ. I will go. Willing to give up all of your Plans, your ideas, your thoughts, whatever it might be. Wanting to give up everything to follow other people, shall we say? Servants of God to a place we've never been to. To live with a man we've never seen. Of course, you've never seen Jesus. People say, well, if he'd come down here, we'd all go. But we've never seen him. On the basis of what people tell us, on the basis of this, we're going. <clears throat> and that was Rebecca. She said, I will go. And so they blessed her, and she went. Verse 61, Rebekah rose her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man, and the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now, the part, another part I like here is about where Rebekah meets him. It says in verse 64, Rebekah lifted up her eyes. When she saw Isaac, she let off the camel. Now, this is probably several weeks later. She's been walking, following this man for several weeks until riding the camels, until they get there. 65, for she had said to the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. 
Our master is coming again. Our master is going to come to the field sometime. Now, I said earlier that Isaac was not going to go back there. He didn't go back to that land. But the master is coming back to the field someday. Someday Jesus is coming back. And he's going to receive Rebecca. You and I, all of us, if we're part of Rebecca, he's going to receive us. We're going to be part of his family. We're going to be the bride of Jesus Christ if we're willing to follow him with our whole lives. May God help us as we, in our lives, hear the call and say, I will go, and help us also to help other people hear the call that they also will say, I will go. Well, that was kind of a rapid trip through Genesis 24. I'll let you go back and get another story. There's another story here which I want to leave with us this morning here in Genesis 24, which is not quite as obvious as what the one we looked at. The other story involves the camels. And maybe we're stretching a little bit, but we're going to stretch this morning with this. How many camels were there? Ten camels. So then what? What other ten is there that we know? Probably the most common ten is the Ten Commandments. The Bible specifically says they took ten, ten camels, and I think the details are there maybe to help us to understand some things. When he left, he took ten camels. <clears throat> I'm going to say ten, commam- ten camels are like the Ten Commandments, or we're going to make it more specific. We're going to call this morning the standards of the church. Now, maybe that's stretching it a bit, but whenever we go, whoever we meet, whenever we go to testify to someone or find someone to be a disciple of Christ, we take with us our commandments. Now, they may not be written commandments. I'm not advising you to go out this morning on the street and start handing out your church standards. That's not the point. But we have our church standards with us. When we go, there are things that we understand are necessary for a person to do to become a Christian or to be part of the church where we are. There are certain things that we believe. We can't just have people, well, I'm a Christian, and you got a cigarette in his mouth, yeah, I'm a Christian, or down there in Belize often, they're drinking and they're pretty drunk, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we, we're going to serve the Lord. Well, people can tell all kinds of things. That doesn't work. There are certain standards that we have. This is what it takes to be part of God's family. Now, the camels are not really very upfront in the story. But I would like to remind you that no camels, no Isaac. No camels, no Isaac. If you're unwilling to accept, if you're unwilling to work with, if you're unwilling to water the camels, accept the standards, be what the church wants you to be. Follow the standards of the church, if you will, so we can understand it. If you're unwilling, you don't qualify. You won't make it. If you don't accept the camels, you won't make it. There may have been other girls who would come around and watered, give the man a drink, but wouldn't have watered the camels. The, the, the requirement for one who qualified was one who watered the camels, one who accepted, shall we say, the standards of the church, willingly. And he didn't tell her all this. He didn't tell her up front, hey, you have to water the camels. He didn't say it at all. She was one who was willing. 
<clears throat> to me, that's a picture of how a person is who is worthy to be part of the bride of Jesus Christ, worthy to be part of the church, someone who's willing, someone who says, yes, I will. You don't have to be pushed. You're not a wheelbarrow person that you have to force and force and force and force. But I want to. This is what I want to do. I'm willing. I'll water the camels willingly. Yes, I accept that. That's the way Rebecca was. And that's what qualified her to be the wife of Isaac, the wife of Jesus Christ, shall we say, the church of Jesus Christ. That's what qualified her. <clears throat> now go to the end of the chapter. Some more camels. It says... In verse 61, Rebekah rose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels, number one, and followed the man, number two. Sometimes <clears throat> standards are a bit of a problem for us, especially when we're young people. I wonder why they have these standards, why they have these rules, and all these difficulties that seem like it's kind of hard to do. Um, you know, First Timothy talks a little about that. It says... In verse 9, 1 Timothy 1, 9, Knowing this, the law is not made for righteous man. Rules humbug us when we don't want to do what we should. It's the only time. As long as we want to do what we should, the rules are no problem. We have a rule out here that you're supposed to drive on the right side of the road. That's not a problem to most of us. I mean, we appreciate there's a rule because we know where we're supposed to be and they're supposed to be. Uh, some of the roads in Belize sometimes we have trouble because the center line is long obliterated and you can't tell where it is, especially at night, and you can't tell where we are according to the line. Uh, the, it really is nice to have that line there and maybe have it a little bit highlighted so you can tell where the line is. This is my part of the road and that's his part of the road. We appreciate some of those things. We don't call them a burden. We call them a help. <sighs> some things in life we accept as rules that are helps and they they're the, we know they're the right place, but there are some things we don't quite like. Uh, when the speed limit says 65, we don't like that one. That one, that's kind of, it's always in our way. It's always in our way, especially when it gets to 35. It's really in our way. Uh, we just don't like that. We, you know, that's, that, that's a hindrance to us. <clears throat> well, the rules are for those that can't control themselves, it says. Uh, back in Timothy, it also says, you know, I think it's verse, is it verse 9, one of the verses there, it says that the end of the commandment is charity and faith out of pure heart. The reason, or maybe the, when the commandments cease to be a problem for us, when we want to do what we should. Look at Rebecca here uh, in following the camels. I always think this is kind of interesting that it mentions that she got up on the camels and rode. I've never ridden a camel. Some of you may have. I would guess that riding on a camel for a long time would probably not be a very pleasant ride, probably maybe a bit stinky and maybe a bit hot, and, and this might not be the most pleasant ride that we have. But remember that Rebecca was not getting married to a camel. The point was not riding a camel. She was not out there just because she wanted a camel ride. And too many people today in church, all they ever get is a camel ride. It's just, it's a rough ride. They, they just don't really quite enjoy it. All they ever get is the camel. Rebecca wasn't after a camel. That was not the point. What was she after? Rebecca was going someplace to get married to somebody. That's what she was after. Now look what it says. 
64. Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. I believe when we get our eyes on Jesus, the camels become unimportant. Almost a place where you don't need the camels. Because Jesus is there. We're going to have a relationship with him. And for you in your congregation, if you have trouble with the standards, you better look about where you're going. Think about getting married to Jesus. Think about living with him. Let's make it a positive thing that we want to do this because there's some place we're going. We're not just stuck on a camel, but we're going someplace. And there's, a, there's someone waiting for us, and we expect to live with him for eternity. That's what God wants for us. And that's the story that I see, the other story within the story, that I think is good for us as Mennonite church people to look at. I realize we can maybe be accused of extrapolating and exaggerating and so on. But I believe the truth is there for us, that if our, if our mind is on the end, if we know where we're going, it's worth it. If you remember Revelation 20, verse 11, Heaven and earth all flee away. All these things that seem to be so important, all these questions that we maybe don't know about, let's remember that in the end, that's all going to flee away. It's just going to be me and him at the end. I'm going to stand before him. The books will be open. What have I done? It's all there. Can't deny it. Although I might today, but in those days I can't deny it because he will have the books. It's going to say right there what it is. Let's just turn there because I like for us not to end up on a negative note. <clears throat> Revelation 21. Or 20, I think it was. The books will be open, but there's something else here. Um, verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great. When just, this is at the time of this great throne judgment. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things that were written in the books, according to their works. Two classes of books here. There's the book and books. The dead were judged out of those things in the books. Another book was over, which is the book of life. The picture I get here is that your name, if you're a Christian, is written in the book of life in the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you get to the throne, they'll open the book and see, is your name there? If your name's there, the judge will say, come in, inherit if your name's not there, then they'll open the books and see why not. The books will say, why not? The books will explain why your name isn't over here. No one's going to get into heaven because they did a lot of good works. Their works and their works and their works. Nobody gets in because of that. They get into heaven because their name is in the book of life. And your name is in the book of life only by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no other way to get it in here. Only the blood of Jesus is going to get your name in here. So there is encouragement for us as well as danger if our name's not in the book of life we'd better make sure it's in there let's buy this word of prayer our father again this morning we thank you for again this morning the time we've had to meditate on your greatness and your goodness 
and also on that which is before us, the coming eternal judgment. We thank you that you love and want and desire that every person will be ready for that day. And every person will say, I will go. We just ask that you help each of the um, students, each, each one of us this morning, myself included, that we will continue to say, I will go. Forgive us where we fail. Come short of doing your will. We do not want to be come short at the end of life. We want to be in the book of life and enter into heaven. Be near to each one of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.